Hello and welcome back to This Complex Life. I've got Belinda Gibson here with me again. Hello. Hi. So nice to be back. (laughs) Um, We've been tossing around different kind of topics to talk about and one of the ones I thought would be interesting is to talk about couples therapy. Mm. Um, I know you're not a couples therapist but you do see occasionally some. I, I see some <laughs> couples that I've seen for a very long time, but this is not my bread and butter, so yeah, to speak. Um, and I work with quite a few couples, mm. but I wanted to talk about what actually stops people mm. coming to couples therapy. Mm. Um, I don't know why this was on my mind recently. I think I wrote a blog post and I'll put a link to that in the show notes, but I think there's a, there's a lot of myths surrounding it, a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that's something that even though we both also work with individuals. We have some insight into what what stops people mm. getting kind of the help that they need. So what have you heard? Like what are some of the stigmas or misbeliefs, misconceptions, myths around couples therapy? What do you hear people say? Because mm. I bet you if you went into a room and I have tried this, some of people are like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a couple therapist. And they awkwardly kind of, oh, and then like shuffle, <laughs> shuffle away. <laughs> like there's fear about it, right? Or there's, yeah. there's anxiety about it. Or if you say you're going to couple therapy, it has different meanings to different people. Uh, and I think different generations of people. So I think, you know, my generation, which would be 40 plus, there was still, I think there is still somewhat of a legacy of you don't talk about your dirty laundry in public. You don't take what's happening inside the home mm-hmm. and share it um, publicly, although your therapist is, is not public, but it has a sense of that because there's an audience. There's someone who gets to see mm. inside something that's usually private and intimate. Yeah. Right? Our, we don't take our relationship public well, generally speaking, maybe influencers do, but we don't take our relationship out in the open. Mm. We usually talk about our partners in certain ways and then the way in which we talk about our partner will change depending on our relationship with the person we're talking to. So maybe our close friends, we might be more vulnerable and revealing of what's happening. But, you know, when you go to the workplace, you're not saying, I can't stand my partner when he or she or they do ABCD. Some people do, but you probably shouldn't. (laughs) You know, like, so there is something about that these are our intimate relationships and I think that they have um, attached to them, that this is between you, me or us. Yeah. Okay, so there's the belief or the constraint of this is private stuff behind closed doors. Yep, I think that's part of it. I've heard people say they're scared of um, being blamed for everything. Yes. Like... The fear. Yeah, there's mm. a fear of um, b- being blamed. Yeah. And then another one is maybe it's a this is one of those misbeliefs, and I find it difficult where it's like I'm going to be put in the position as the therapist of being the referee. Uh-huh. So it's like a couple's going to come, and I'm going to be like the umpire or the referee, and have to like say who's right or wrong. That's the fear that the couples might bring to you, or that's something. I think that it's you both. Hold? I think that's uh-huh. an expectation that some people do uh-huh. bring, uh-huh. and then if I don't do that, because sometimes some mm. people will might come with this idea of, oh, you're mm. going to tell me that I'm right, mm. or you're going to tell my partner that they're wrong. Like mm. they want me to umpire or referee mm-hmm. a, a conversation or mm-hmm. a dilemma, mm-hmm. and then they have one session. They're like, oh, this doesn't work. Mm, you and didn't s- fix anything. Yeah, I didn't fix it. Mm. But if that's the belief you've got, imagine what it's like for your partner, right? So if your partner's sort of saying, well, well, we'll fix this in couples therapy and they're secretly believing that the couples therapist will 
tell them how wonderful and amazing they are and how all the ways their partner's letting them down. Yep. If you're the partner in that, you're going to be like, I don't want to go. Yeah. You're just going to tell me all the ways that I've let you down yeah. and you're going to make the therapist side with you, yeah. which we don't, we don't do. And if we you're, do, you're yeah. you know, if that's the way the therapist is working, maybe choose a different one. Yeah. I, I'd be worried if there's, <laughs> yeah, some siding. So there's that, I think there's that mis mm-hmm. misconception of it, that it's going to be, Someone sit down and saying, you're right, you're wrong, yep. they're totally reasonable, you're being unreasonable and just referee that experience. Yep. Yeah, so if I'm the person that maybe feels like I'm going to be told I'm wrong, there's certainly not a big motivator for me to step into that space. Yes. Like I'm going to protect myself. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's such a, and I mean, fitting for what your podcast is titled, but it's so complex too because you've got the couple as as um, in the room, but you've also got two individuals. Yeah. And there's something about um, if someone in that relationship doesn't feel comfortable, doesn't tend to or have practice in stepping into hard conversations, then I can see how couples therapy is just a no-go. I'm mm. not doing that, right? Because it, it does require you to do something that a lot of people would find difficult yeah. which is to have conversations that are really honest and open and um, maybe there's fear about hurting the partner fear of about how i'll be hurt in that fear of mm. what will be revealed maybe fear of what if actually we find out that this relationship isn't good for us yeah like what if i find it, out what if we find out this is the beginning of the end yeah what if so we, there's de- maybe denial of knowing the truth? Well, maybe what if I'm afraid that actually at the moment if we don't go, I have hope for us. Yeah. What if I go and that hope is dashed? Right. Then what have I got? Yeah. Except the reality that potentially someone I'm really invested and loving of, Oof. my life as I know it, what do I do then? Like, That's heavy. Do I want to look at yeah. what really is the reality for us? That's heavy. Yeah. What if I have to change? <laughs> well, that that was actually going to be one of the things I was going to share um, is going into any type of therapy if it's individual couples. Mm. The biggest thing to prepare for is what are you prepared to change that mm. you have to do something different, yeah. even with new insight or knowledge. There has to be a change in how you do something, like a behaviour activation of some kind. Right. You've got to do something with that knowledge. So yeah. going to a physio, they might say, they might do their assessment. Like if you keep doing, I don't know, walking up these stairs, you're mm-hmm. going to hurt your knee. Mm-hmm. And in order to improve the strength of your knee, you need to do these exercises. Mm-hmm. And you can be like, yep, cool, thanks. You just listen to it. But if you don't do anything different and you keep doing the, the thing that they've said not to do, yep the knee's not going to get better. So there's more than just saying, well, I went to physio and it didn't help. Yeah. Well, and it's such an interesting conversation even about change, isn't it? Like, (laughs) it's big. So, I mean, even that, yeah, like awareness is a big part of it. You know, to change, I must first be aware. Mm -hmm. I have to understand what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, how I'm doing it. And at some point with that awareness, I have to do something. Otherwise, I'm just stuck in being really aware of all the ways in which I'm either being hurt, hurting myself, not getting my needs met, Mm. dissatisfied in life. 
you know, to know what I'm doing and to do nothing seems excruciating to me. So there is about, yeah, and yeah. now what do we do? You know? I heard someone um, recently, for some reason, a lot of people are quite scared of the dentist. Are you scared yeah. of the dentist? Uh, no, I'm not scared of the dentist. It's not something that I think joyfully, yes, oh. I'm seeing the dentist later today. I, like the I just the feeling of clean teeth. Well, I mean, I like the outcome. All right. But, but do I like the process? No, so some not very people, much. and um, I've had a few people I've worked with in the past when I was in community mental health who they had a genuine phobia of the dentist mm. and of what they would find. Mm -hmm. But continuing to prolong the visit sure. actually created more of the problems that they were scared the dentist would find. So by not going, yeah. then they actually then genuinely had cavities. Um, pain, discomfort, swelling, like they actually, so there's this interesting thing of the more we, we avoid it or we're scared to do it, the more denial, mm -hmm. that's still a choice. Like choosing not to it do is anything is still a choice. It is a choice. Even if you're like, well, I can't choose someone to do nothing. Well, you've chosen to do, do nothing. nothing. And that, that's quite confronting for some people because it doesn't go away. <laughs> like the no. cavity doesn't go away even if you're like, I'm scared to go to the dentist of what they might find. But it's still there, whether they find it or not. <laughs> and in fact, by not going, it gets worse. Yeah, exactly. So we're talking about the self-fulfilling prophecies, right? Correct. But, um, but it takes courage. It does. And it's about what resources, what supports do I have? And I think sometimes what people don't realise is a lot of therapy is about building the resources and self-support. Yep. It's not about the finger pointing. Yes. It's about understanding on a deeper level what happens when. Mm. Um, you know, I saw uh, a couple once, and I have their permission to talk about this, but there was um, what came out of the work we did was that um, when the one of the clients would come home and the light wasn't on, that it would result in them entering the house and they'd be grumpy and huffing and puffing and moving around like a bit of a hurricane, and then the partner of that person would then have their own response like well you're never happy when you come home and actually through the work what we were able to understand is that for the client when the light wasn't on when they came home they felt unwanted and it activated this part of them that was like oh, oh, I'm like not wanted everyone's here. Not, kind of gone to bed and I'm switched not, off all yeah, the lights I'm not welcome here Wow. I'm not welcome, I'm not wanted. And they had no idea. And the part, well, no, the partner's just responding to their grumpiness. Like, right. you're never happy when you come home. And the person doesn't realise that when the light's not on, this is what it activates. They know when the light's not on, it pisses me off. Yeah, but, but they had they no idea why. But they didn't realise that just, just underneath that is this feeling of, because I'm not welcome, you don't want me. And then the partner's able to say, oh, I want you, I just never thought about the light. Like, I'm busy doing yeah. this other thing. So a meaningful change wasn't a difficult change, is that the partner actively would turn on the light when they closed the blinds around the house. Yeah. And it meant that when the client came home, they would see the light, they would feel yeah. this sense of welcoming, and they would enter the house differently. The part of change for them is that they had to enter the house really aware and conscious of, oh, my partner is welcoming. Yeah. So now how do I enter this house to make them feel like I'm happy to be here? And then also giving them the most generous positive assumption of if out of habit they close the light one day, it's not because I'm unwanted, it just, that's not how they, they never thought to show their desire to have me home in that way. Yeah, it's not how I show love. Wow. We have, you know, we all have 
I mean, most of us now are aware of the languages of love, but we show love very yeah. differently. You know, in my relationship, I show love by doing. So if I get up and I notice you don't have a glass of water, oh, would you like a glass of water? I'll grab you one. Mm -hmm. That's me saying, I love you. Yeah. For my partner, comes from a family of doing things is about because you're not capable. So when I'm asking, oh, honey, do you want me to grab you a glass of water? I'm thinking, I love you. Yeah, and I'll he's hearing, you're not good enough. I'll get your glass of water. You can't even do that for yourself. Yeah, or leave me alone. I can get it myself. So then he responds in a, I can get my own water. Right. So then I feel rejected because I've just said in my way, I love yeah, you. And, and he's like, about, go away. Yeah. So, you know, it's, there are such little subtle ways in which we engage with each other. And yeah. sometimes the therapy is just about helping uncover those ways. So if we think of it as it's just trying to uncover some patterns in, in a really simplistic way, because couples therapy can be long-term work and very For complex. Sure. Well, yeah. How do we get people realizing, like how do we then break down some of that stigma if someone thinks, and these are some of the things I've heard people say is they're worried that their partner's just going to um, break up with them mm. or that they're going to be told all the ways they're inadequate mm. or I've been in relationships my whole life, I should be able to figure this out mm, or especially when one. it comes to sex and intimacy, mm. it's sort of like why do I need help with this? It mm. should come naturally. Like mm. how do we even start to name some of those stigmatizing myths how do you do it with your clients well they've already come so i guess that's the that's thing true. right is the mm. ones i see have already worked through some of that mm. to get to the point where they're they've made that inquiry and they're yeah. there we still have a lot of conversations around expectations yeah. and what things can look like and i use physical therapy as a really good example or personal training like yeah. if you've if i was to go from now Running. I can only run a couple of kilometres because I haven't oh, maintained me, my, my running. <laughs> and I wanted to, let's say, run a half marathon. Mm. I can't, if I went to a running class once or a physio mm. once, I'm not going to get there. Right? Oh. There's a muscle memory. Mm. There's um, mental, like there's a fitness that needs mm. to come. Yeah, so yeah. if you've had um, gaps in your relationship, if you've had conflict for a decade, if you've mm -hmm don't have that emotional literacy or that understanding of yourself, mm. one session's not going to fix it. No, I know for me, it. I have a, a, I use the Gottman method and then I bring in other tools. The first session with the couple, it's mostly just getting to know them and understand yes. them. Then there's yeah. an individual session each and then there's another, and that, those three sessions, they just form part of the assessment. Mm. Because how mm -hmm. can I provide an intervention without knowing a, enough about what's going on and what mm. the priorities are it's mm -hmm. sort of like going to the doctor and, and he's saying i've got a stomach ache and they're like great i know the thing just for this and they without touching it looking at it doing an x-ray running bloods they just jab you with a needle yeah. you're like how do you know that's the right thing for for me so oh i know this stomach problem well enough yeah so when we need to i still do that work yes of, of unpacking expectations and yeah. talking about well this could take months or years mm -hmm. to see significant change mm -hmm. and we can get some small wins mm -hmm. but you need to adjust your expectations for sure i think expectations is important otherwise it sets me up for for letting them down yeah and it sets them up for feeling like inadequate yeah. again if they're already feeling like that yes so the stigma is different when the people who've already come it's the hundreds and hundreds of other people, people. who don't come 
yeah who could benefit yeah and i think finances is one bit but d- legal proceedings divorce separation that's expensive oh yeah that could cost tens of thousands of dollars that's che- couples therapy is cheaper much 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 <laughs> cheaper um, so i don't think money is always the key thing there there's there's no. something that holds people back yeah i mean it's hard to know though because it As a therapist like you, I see the people that have come through the door. Yeah. So I don't know what happens... To the ones who don't. ...that don't come through. If you're listening, feel free to let me know. Email me. And we can have another conversation. Keenly interested. Yeah. Um, What I do know if I think about my personal life is I think that there is still a lot of stigma around therapy. Yeah. Whether it's couples or individual, I think that that still exists. And I think that couples therapy is often thought about as something's really wrong. Yeah. We go to couples therapy as a last resort, possibly, right? Some And some, unfortunately, do. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's just about as much as we can educating and promoting that therapy is actually, for me, a life support. Mm. It supports me in my life. Yeah. And um, it's not where I go when things are in crisis. I want to have been there already because I want to know and um, be able to call on my resources and my supports, yeah. internal and external. So it's sort of like, I, I seem to use a lot of physical health analogies because that's helpful for me, but there's like keeping fit and going to the gym for general fitness and mm-hmm. strength. And then there could be a niggle or an injury or a weakness in one of your body parts. And then you might go to a physio or osteo yeah. or chiro to work on that piece. Yes. So there's sort of like you can keep working on things and just keep getting better and more in depth. Yeah. And then some people might have um, a particular area of tension in their relationship or life transitions. I think that's huge. Adjustment to parenting, Mm -hmm. uh, adjusting going back to work, adjusting to aging parents, uh, the loss of a job, a a terminal illness, a death in the family. Like they're not things that we know how to deal with well it's interesting i don't think we're we're very well equipped well it's interesting because it's about how do we deal with that as individuals and then as a couple because they are two different things and i think that therapy might often be thought of as an intervention but it certainly to me is also preventative Mm -hmm. right so um i go to yoga not because um i want to um tend to or heal an injury I go to yoga because I want to prevent my body from losing mobility Mm. I want to keep my body moving in a way that's comfortable for me just to refer back to those physical um, examples and I think you also like the you know the treat that we get after I do love chai time (laughs) Um, so I I think that there yes therapy I think also has maybe that image attached to it where it's intervention and so maybe in the couple too there's this question of oh well is it even bad enough to go don't all couples fight we're fine yeah um i think you made a really interesting point around expectations in the therapy and i think um you know i can only know how i am in relationship with you when i really understand myself yeah so you know i think a lot of the couple therapies is getting to know each other in a way yep. that you might not. So I talk a lot around intentional conversations with couples. Like, how are we talking to each other? Yeah. What are you learning? So I think, I mean, 
the pressure to go to couples therapy can also be that then becomes the problem and i'll let me explain what i mean tell me what you think let's say you've got a a partner Mm -hmm. um who says i want to go to couples therapy yep and they say the part like oh oh, oh, pretend it's me let's say i'm I'm telling my partner hey i want to go to couples therapy and he was to say no Mm -hmm. his no then becomes part of the problem so Mm -hmm. i then would make up a story doesn't he love me that he thinks this is fine why Mm -hmm. won't he care so then the resistance to go becomes the part of like it magnifies the other problem so why won't he just this and i've seen couples do this even with like a podcast or a book where they like give their partner this resource saying I need you to listen to this and the partner hasn't or Mm -hmm. doesn't want to or forgets and the other person's like see I'm not important they can't even do this why won't they just whatever make meaning and then they fight about that Mm. and one person it's either fighting some people are quite vocal but some people it's a a withdrawal because they're conflict avoidant and that's not necessarily healthy either there's this stewing this feeling of rejection it's like well if they can't even do this yeah what does that mean? What do I mean? Am I not important enough? Yeah. So even if one one partner of the couple brings it up, mm-hmm. it's great if people can actually start to think about, oh, I didn't even think that that's something we needed. Mm-hmm. Like how do people, and obviously everybody's different, every either couple or relationship structure works very differently and culturally very different. But what are some gentle like how can people start to actually one person says i want to go to couples therapy the other's like no (laughs) so i think you've actually touched on something really significant which is that in our relationships we meaning make i have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) we make meaning of our partners can i have a cup of tea or what you think i can't get it right or Or when they make a tea and they don't offer you one right you're not even thinking of me or let's go to therapy no Oh, you don't even care. You don't love me, I'm right? Like, yeah. So part of couples Ooh, therapy. We're complex creatures, we aren't are. we? <laughs> so I think part of couples therapy is actually let's reality check that. Let's check it out. But what do you does get them it there? mean? So I think that. Um, well, how do you get them there? I think that's a complex question. Yeah. I think people go when they're in crisis. I think they go when it's bad enough. I think it's about, mm. you know, and I, I wonder even as I'm saying it, if it's too simple my response, but I, I think. A, big part of it has to be about how do we talk about couples therapy mm. how do we talk about therapy yeah what do our kids know about it like generationally how are we engaging in our mental health how do we promote yeah. it speak about it it's interesting you use a lot of physical kind of analogies and i think is it an analogy or a metaphor i never know but anyway one of them i think that maybe that potentially comes from a place of because we take our physical health much more seriously it's okay to have an injury yeah right oh, i think it's different you wouldn't with disability. it's easier to say oh at the end of the work day oh, i need to leave at four because i have a dentist appointment right and and i say that and actually i'm really where actually i think it is different if you have a disability a permanent yes. disability if you break your leg if you have a dentist appointment i think absolutely i can leave work for those and i can say it very publicly and i don't have a shame response i don't have a oh i need to keep this private mm. i think with therapy mental health I think younger people are so much better at this than us. Uh, I say this as an uh, ageing midlife person. Um, 
I think they're much better at it. I see my clients in their 20s and I oh. see them talking about this as an investment and I don't hear my friends of my age in their 40s talking about it this way. I do see that with couples more and more coming to sort of do like a health check. Yeah. They're just like, oh, we're about to get married or we're thinking of having kids and we just want to kind of check in with each other how that's yeah. going and they... Amazing. It's... oh. That would have saved my relationship years of difficult <laughs> conversations that we kept going around yeah. in circles with because I would have had someone there to help us yeah. understand what is happening here. Mm. The no is potentially symptomatic of what is happening in the relationship. There right? was something, we, and we were talking about this before we started recording, but how we ask for what we need. Mm. So I think that's interesting too mm. of are you saying, well, we need couples therapy then. Or are you saying, hey, there are a few things that have been bothering me. I can't find the right words and mm. I'd really, I'd like us to go. Or yeah. I need us, I need the support because I can't handle this. Will you come with me? Like, yeah. I think there's also the so much in how we ask, mm -hmm. which again, if, if you're struggling with that already, mm. that's going to be hard. But again, it's the symptomatic nature of the issue that you yeah. might be wanting to come to. So can with. people, um, I've recommended this to some folk as well, is you can still go to therapy as an individual to talk about couple stuff because you can make changes yourself that can change the dynamic. Oh, you can yeah. talk to a therapist of how can I ask my partner this. Mm. I would say. And not, and not make meaning of their response, like them saying no might not be because they hate me or don't love me. They might feel uncomfortable. I might have said, oh, I might have asked something like, would you like to go to couples therapy? And they're like, no. I, I would not like yeah, to do that. Yeah, I would that. not like to do Am that. Am I willing? Maybe. Yeah. It's that scene that I keep uh, keep been talking about of um, in the imitation game mm. where they're like, Alan, we're going out for lunch. And he's like, okay. And like, we're going out for lunch. He's like, fine. They're like, dude, what's your problem? Where we've asked you to come for lunch. And he's like, no, you said we're going out for lunch. Yeah. And he's like, what are you having? And they're like, sandwiches. He's like, oh, I don't like sandwiches. <laughs> have you seen this? Yeah. yeah. No, but you've told me And that then as they walk out, they're like, all right, who's hungry? He's like, I am. Can I have some <laughs> soup, please? And so it's in the, the way we ask, right? Sure. So they're thinking, what's wrong with him? He's not coming to lunch. And he's like, they never asked me. They just said, we're going out to lunch. Yes. So there's Gosh. these conversations, right, of saying, yeah. oh, would you like to go to couples therapy? If the partner, it didn't occur, they're like, no, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. But no. different saying, I'm struggling, yeah. I'm finding this difficult, and I, I feel like I really need you there with me. Yeah. Like, there's a difference in how we ask. For sure. It's the language. It's, and again, it's about, um, oh, sorry, just to go back from what you did say, absolutely, I have lots and lots and lots of individual clients that are in couples therapy and generally have done that after we've entered our therapy yep. relationship. It's been encouraged by me that there mm -hmm. is work in the relationship that we can't do. We can absolutely check out what's happening for you. Yeah. And I can, with you, explore and deepen our understanding of the meaning you're making and where that comes from and mm. to slow it down so that there's space before you jump into that that's true we can check it out. Actually, is it true for your partner yeah. that they don't care? Or are they scared? You know, is it true that they think you're, um, <laughs> you know, incompetent and that's why they're asking for the water? Or is they saying, I love you? Yeah. You know, like we can do that work, 
but there is also something in the relationship that can only be done with the relationship, yep. the couple. And you can see it, and one of the, the, t the tools we use in, um, in the, using the Gottman method is actually getting people to re, not reenact, but bring up a difficult topic and actually see how they handle either conflict or a, or a fight live. So we can actually make, comp like with permission, saying, can I pause you there? Yeah. I notice you did it, like really actually unpack. Yeah, what's that. happening now? What are you feeling? Yeah. Uh, look, I love that you might, in the Gottman approach, kind of bring that in. My experience is it always comes up. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, you don't have to intentionally do it. I don't do have it. to intentionally invite no. it. it. It tends to absolutely, because you can't, the relationship is also in the room. Yes. So how you are together will ultimately emerge and it becomes live. Yeah. And in those moments where it's alive, we are absolutely best in that experience to go, yeah, what mm. is happening? We're no longer an observer reflecting. It's happening. It's, it's happening. I've had, have I told you my idea of uh, IKEA couples therapy? No, but I feel scared when I think about it. I would love, and you know, if, I care, if, you, if you're listening and you want to sponsor this, feel free. But I think that that would be such a good way to see how someone communicates is actually putting furniture putting together. Furniture together. Oh, and and <laughs> I might test it out one day when I get some flat pack is actually bringing <laughs> a couple together because you do this in team building events, right? We yeah, see sure. this in so many. I'm saying, okay, here is this um, flat pack bookcase oh um, and we've got 75 minutes together, put it together and see how, who takes charge, what happens, how you, and, and actually talk about it. Like who yeah. gets huffy and puffy? Do you collaborate? Do you walk together, work together? Does someone pull, like we, we get to see that happen, right? I think it's a, in the Gestalt world, we would call that an experiment. Yeah. And I think it's a great experiment so next time with I permission. I buy some furniture, I'll just leave it. <laughs> and, but I do this yeah. on a smaller scale with, um, with, with kids, right? When we're doing um, kind of play therapy, mm. it's playing board games and what mm. happens when you lose or you don't yeah. get your weight. Like you, you have to see it. Yeah, but well, I mean... I as think a, it's a whole new technique and I'd love to research this more. <laughs> well, I, honestly, I think, you know, from a gestalt lens that is part of the way we do yeah. therapy which is with the experiments we make sure. something alive because in that moment yeah. you are in it you you are deeply feeling and experiencing it yeah how can we what's some again and this is you know not personalized advice so if you're this has brought up things for you seek a professional absolutely where can people start like how do they what can they do well, I think, you know, I probably feel a bit repetitive here. I think it's about reflecting and trying to have conversations and yep. reading or watching. Mm -hmm. um, and if you can, mm. see a therapist, see, see someone who can help navigate this with you. Yeah. It's very hard when you're in something yeah. to navigate it without falling back and regressing to the way you've always done it. Yeah. What um, what do you tell people to look for? Because if you refer someone, and I've done this with, if I'm already seeing an individual, I then mm. don't do couples therapy with them. Mm -hmm. I might bring a partner in for a specific way to support that person, but it's not ah. couples therapy. It's yes. more like, hey, you know, can you bring your partner in and let's just talk about how we can help you with X, Y, Z at home. Sure. What can they look out for? Because couples mm. therapy, there is, I mean, there's hundreds of different, not hundreds, but there's... there's Imago, emotionally focused therapy, mm -hmm. real life therapy, which is Terry Reels, 
um, Esther Perel, for example, is quite eclectic. The family systems, there's the yeah. Gottmans, then there's probably several others that I can't remember off the top of my head. But there's so many. Yeah, it's hard. And like, what can you start? And then there's sex therapy. So some people work quite um, specifically in that. Yeah. There's therapy at different. Like there's people who spe- uh, specialize in working with um, neurodiversity or with yeah. disability or uh, cross cultural. Yeah. Um, what are some things that people can start to, what do you recommend that they sort of look for if they're like, I don't even know where to start? Yeah. I'll just Google couples therapy in my area. Yeah. I mean, if, if I think about myself, I, I personally am always drawn to relational based therapies. Like a most emotionally focused. EFT, emotionally yeah. focused or, or anything that's relational in its nature. Like this is about a relationship, whether it's individually, it's a relationship yeah. you have with yourself or others, couples. Well, all of it, them have that element, really, I think. Well, I don't know. Some can be strategy based. And I think that there's a place for this mm. symptom management where strategies are helpful. Yeah. Um, I think often it is really about trying therapists on so when i see anyone Mm -hmm. whether it's as a couple or individuals the first session i say this is much of an interview for me as it is for you yeah like sit with me see what it feels like if it doesn't feel right yeah it's okay yeah when we meet people we are not drawn to every single person we meet yeah right so this is intimate work if you do not feel safe, connected, held by me in an emotional sense, like where yeah. you feel like, oh, she gets me or I feel comfortable here, then I am probably not the therapist for you. Where's the line? And I talked about this in a previous episode with Lillian when we were talking about worry and, and finding a therapist for anxiety. Mm. There's a point where it's going to be awkward and uncomfortable. Sure, it's hard. And it's you want to give it more than maybe the first date. So how do you differentiate which, oh, this is just awkward because it's therapy versus mm-hmm. this person's a bad fit for me because we want to have some um, what we call like resilient help seeking. Like it's okay to let the therapist know it, the session went too fast. Can we slow it down? Or I find it really helpful if you write down note, like some things that they can do. There might be ways they can adjust their sure. approach yeah, yeah. versus they were racist or homophobic or I felt really judged something they said like how do we kind of differentiate the this was just an awkward experience and we can find ways to work together well Mm -hmm. versus that was that was a really shit experience and you just are not equipped to handle this Mm. i mean i'm interested how you have known for yourself i I think for me i would encourage people uh, you know i talk about therapy it's work it's not for the faint-hearted no like i am absolutely always amazed by the courage and strength of my clients just walking through the door Mm -hmm. because it's work it's hard yeah um i I think it's worth it though oh big time but um so i think that there is about even when i talk about the fit with me as an example there is a difference between did this feel hard versus is there something about me as we're sitting here that doesn't feel right? Mm. If it feels hard, well, if you're willing to do the, it's gonna be hard, whether it's me or someone else, but it's about how did it feel to sit with me? When I go to a dinner party, I mean, I don't know how fancy I'm going to these dinner parties, but if I'm sitting at a a dinner party and there's 12 people there, I am going to attract to certain people. Yeah. 
And I trust that. That's my intuition. That's my sense of, yeah, yeah. there feels like there can be something here that feels good or safe or interesting to me. Mm. Same with your therapist, I think. I think with couples work, it's hard. It's a little bit harder because you both want to try and feel comfortable. Yeah. And there's, if, especially if you're the partner who was maybe a bit unsure or resistant to come, if you're coming in already um, expecting to be told off, mm. there's almost no therapist, like there's going to be no one that will, like it's going to be really hard for anybody to get through that. So there's yeah. checking in with your own expectations and how you're coming across. Because if you're coming in well, like, well, we've tried four other people yeah. and uh, you've come highly recommended. So give us what you've got. Give us your best stuff. If Ooh. someone comes in with that and then the other partner's like, see, how do I even deal with them? Look, <laughs> at, and then they start like, that's really hard to start. Like, For sure. <laughs> and so, it happens. Absolutely. So on that, as if I'm just to think about that example, yeah. I think the therapist that's right for you is able to explore what is happening for you in that time. That the therapist has the skill yeah. and the ability to deepen what is the experience and what yeah. are the expectations you have, where do they come from, how Ooh. are they showing up here yeah. with me, and then how does that come about yeah. in the relationship. To me, that would be the skill of the therapist. Mm. Okay. Right? If you've got a therapist that then is responding to that with their arms crossed going, Oh, well, da-da-da-da-da, mm. not the therapist fear because something's been activated in that therapist. Yeah. So I think it's about understanding that therapy might not be comfortable. Right. So maybe get rid of that <laughs> and actually enter it and go, but how do I feel with you? Good. Do I like you and not like what you did or do I not like you? Right, yeah. <laughs> There's a difference, I think. Yeah. Um, but I think it's up to the therapist and the skill of the therapist to, in that space to really kind of explore and understand, well, what is this like for you? Yeah. What is happening for you? How is that, what is it that I'm doing yeah. that might be activating that for you? So I guess at, at the end of all of this, it's hopefully it's destigmatized it a little bit. Yeah. But I guess some of the key takeaways is don't mean, try not to meaning make. So if your partner says, no, don't make assumptions. Well, maybe even a step back from that is just notice. Okay. Like, because I think that's another step. Right. I think even noticing, oh, I'm making a meaning here. Right. I'm attaching meaning and to this. And everyone, we all do. Everyone. Or meaning. Always. We, we make meaning based on our lived experience. Yeah. And notice, just notice it yeah. in the first sense. And so what meaning do I make? Yeah. And then you can check it out later when you've built that. So it's, it's noticing what meaning you make yeah. and maybe in, in lots of areas in your relationship, maybe choose yeah. a, an, an easier example, yeah. cup of tea, what, what, do I, what meaning do I make? Yeah. Um, how you ask for what you need. Mm -hmm. um, and then... How do you even know what you need? Yeah. How do you ask for it? So there's some good steps. And if your partner's the one who's asked you and you've said no, how, maybe revisiting that and saying, hey, a while back you mentioned this. Mm. Can I ask, is it still something on your mind or was this yeah. a request? Like, can we, like, tell me more. Be curious, be curious. not critical. <laughs> that's right. going to be your that's that's my catchphrase. That's my catchphrase. <laughs> be curious, not critical. Yeah. And that extends not only inward but outward. Yeah. Tell and me more about what this means to you. And that, for some people, is activating and mm -hmm. quite hard. So by activating, you know, flooded or overwhelmed mm -hmm. or withdrawn, like, it mm -hmm. creates a physiological response mm -hmm. 
that's the bit you can also talk to your individual therapist about. Uh, absolutely. Or a friend or like there's so many ways to start saying, hey, I actually find it hard to yep. ask my partner this. Yeah. I get flooded or overwhelmed or I feel not good enough or I feel yeah. like I'm going to get told off. Like yeah. check out our earlier episode of not feeling good enough because these are all intertwined. Absolutely. And most of the couples that I work with, at different parts throughout that work have individual therapy because yep. they might need to work on you know if we're talking about communication mm. and one gets flooded then they we might be able to do a little bit of that in mm. the room but then mm-hmm. I might recommend hey this would be really great if you can work on that with your therapist yes to learn some tools and strategies and understand why you get flooded yeah what happens for you so then we can bring that skill back into yeah. this relationship so yeah it might be quite a bit of both yeah oh absolutely any final words for people who have just thought i know nothing about couples therapy i don't know where to start it's overwhelming it's stigmatizing yeah read people's bios look at people's pictures you know get a sense of potential therapists and then try them out sit with them i often will try out a new therapist for myself and i'll say that going to try you out for a couple (laughs) of sessions if that's okay I just want to see what it's like to sit with you I would add to that ask as well or even check what things they work with yes their philosophies Um, philosophies but also different areas of specialty or interest Mm. so if it is um, recovering after an affair that might be a very different skill set to support after the a miscarriage or grief um it could be of a first child yeah parenting so yeah not all we don't all like we have some generalist skills but like with physical health you might need a gastroenterologist for one thing a urologist for like a rate like we have different specialties within that even within let's say the Gottman therapy there might be someone who does extra work in same-sex couples Mm. or extra work with polyamory or has um, extra training in um, sexual health or sexual intimacy, different life stages, recovering from cancer diagnosis. So maybe looking at at that as well and just sort of see are there any particular things happening for us that we want someone to know about. I think that is really good advice. And even just for individual therapy too, like Absolutely. And, and being okay with not one therapist might be for all of that. You might have a, an episode of what we call an episode of care. Like you might have a season of I want to work with this therapist on my self-esteem. Yep. And then maybe after a year or two you're like, well, now I'm actually, you know, working on grief and mm. I might move on to something. Like no one person might be. And that's okay. It doesn't mean you failed. I think that um, in my experience of therapy, I have the same therapist for a couple of years and then I move to a new therapist. Yeah. Because not one person ever in your life will meet all your needs. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And same as this therapist. I, I feel a sense of satisfaction and completion when my clients and I end well, where oh. we say we've done the work we can do. Yeah. And I, with a lot of genuine care, send them out and then potentially to someone new yeah. that we have finished Amazing. well. So be curious. Curious, not critical. Curious, not critical. I love that. Thank you for listening. To keep the conversation going, head on over to Instagram or LinkedIn and follow me. 
If you'd like to keep updated with episodes and other interesting things happening in mental health, join my weekly This Complex Life newsletter, where I'll share tools, tips, and insight. There's a link in the show notes. Got a question you want answered? Shoot me an email or a DM. I'd love to hear from you. And if you enjoy the show, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and a review. It helps other people find the podcast.